You're listening to Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon, here with Joel. And our guest today is Matthew Chan Pio. Yes, correct. <laughs> or you could use my other name, Brockheimer, oh. but... Jerry Brockheimer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so just keep, that, just keep that at the low low, okay? No relation. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope I get happy because you might like, okay. <laughs> um... Thanks, Matthew, for coming on the podcast. Uh, Matthew is a producer and writer. Those are the main things I know about mm, you. Producer, writer, directed a bit, and author. Cool. Writing. A book. Yeah. Great. So are you Ugandan? Yes, I am. Born in Kasese, Kilembe Mines, have a village. Uh, Ugandan, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Living in Uganda right now? Yeah. Always love being home. Because mm. of my girl and my boy, but... Um, travel quite sometimes okay. yeah, which is crazy okay yeah uh, could we talk about your companies first the ones you have um, okay so I have two mm-hmm. uh, one is called Swift Films uh, predominantly which is just uh, for writing mm. which was I started out with you know being a writer writing scripts and uh, try to make connections to sell them and produce them mm-hmm. A second one is with my friend, uh, my business partner in Kenya, uh, called Stephen Minde. It's uh, Light Media. It's the one that actually produces films, also does audio, music, stuff like that. Okay. And then um, last year I created uh, a writer's group uh, called uh, The League of a Thousand Pens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. I want to this, start with yeah, you before you became who you are right yeah. now. Mm. Like, straight off campus, did you study film? When did no. you get into film? Never studied film. Uh, fell in love with film as a child. I think like most people, you watch a movie, you're mm. fascinated. But the changing point in my life was um, watching Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> totally blown away. He instantly became my favorite director and one of my favorite films of all time. But it was after that I started writing because I started, I used to write. I was good at, I was good at writing lyrics. Like <laughs> I can write music, compose, arrange. But I was very good at like breaking down stories of movies, books, or even ri- creating new stories, especially in class. So after watching that, like I really, it was the moment that made me want to do film. Actually, want to write film first. What point was that in your life? Were you done with school? No, I was born in '79. This was like this was like maybe '88. How old were you? Uh, I should have been like coming to nine by then, <laughs> or ten. <laughs> Wait. Oh, man, bloomed early. Yeah. yeah. You watched 2001: Space Odyssey when you were nine. Yeah. And it blew you away. It blew me away. I already loved film. I would not yeah. process that. I, by film. then, I had watched you know, Star Wars, I've watched Alien, I've watched uh, Terminator. I was already a fan of Cameron, Spielberg, George Lucas. I like reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd go to the library. I'd go to a bookshop and look for for books. You know, of directors or who they are. You know, Star Wars is a big piece, so there's a lot of literature about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Encounters of the Third Kind mm-hmm. was a big piece, so there was like literature about it. 
uh, Kubrick, you know, by then already had, uh, had he? Yeah, early 90s, I think he already, he already had Clockwork Orange. Yes, yes. Yeah, right. he did, right? So, all of that, I mean, all these pieces were there, so I would read. But uh, the one thing that, that haunted me was, I had not seen a script format. Yeah. Ah. yeah. So it was only until I was watching, um, it was Die Hard 2 on tape. Yeah. There was like a small sequence after the movie, like a behind the scenes, you know, a EPK. Yeah. yeah. And then when Joel Silver was talking, they showed the script. They showed a flash of the script. The then I paused. <laughs> so I paused, like, wait, this is what I've been looking for. But I was not so far off. I think I was like 86% there. And the scene had like action, dialogue, heading. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay now I get it. Now I, I, I've now fixed things permanently for myself. But I think as of to date, I've not written a lot this last two years. But the last time I did account, I have like 287 scripts written. Jesus yeah. Christ. I've been writing for a long time. Yeah. Then when did you pick up a camera for the first time? When did you start the series? Yeah, I picked up the camera. I, growing up at home here, like when we were younger, I'm going to be 38, so when, when we were younger, Uganda was kind of bleak the days after the war. Oh. So we had like major issues, HIV, um, unemployment, uh, it was hard, I remember, because you know, seeing our parents, seeing other people's parents. And uh, one of the things I remember quite clearly was the AIDS epidemic, because like we, we all knew somebody, we knew our uncle, our brother, our yeah. sister, yeah. like I you know, grew up like seeing somebody with AIDS around us every day, you know. Full-blown AIDS, like yeah. you know, like that bad state. You people don't see anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so it was. It was always like this: you were either going to be a doctor, engineer, or lawyer. Okay. Yeah, because that's what parents, yeah, yeah. all our parents, saw us being, right? Yeah. So it was very difficult to convince them otherwise. Mm -hmm. Try to convince them to send you to film school, who was just not a factor, you know, like yeah. hey, but but. Everybody, everybody around you, your own friends, very few visionaries were, were amongst us. It was crazy, but I had not given up on it, but I was following my other passion. I love music, because I'm a cinephile and audiophile. Like, yeah? okay. So I absolutely love hip-hop. Like, like um, you know, that is like, I'm a master in that field also, right? Mm -hmm. So my friends, like, my friends like Navio, Miz, Ryonga, were, were the first group of guys who were like, We'd go out and rap, mm. you know. So we'd go out and do it. There was a place called DV8. We'd go and do it from there. Yeah, we'd go and do it at the Woods Festival. And we were good at it, you know. Like, mm. we were very dope at it, freestyling and so on, right? And we started producing it. So, because the same thing we had, like, why are you rapping in English? Hey. Nobody gives a shit, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> oh my God. Just don't do it. Wasting your time. What, can you make a career out of it, you know? And we started doing these things. And it was like, you know, when you're young, you're rebellious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you just have a rebellious gene in you, right? I, luckily for me, like, I think my parents would see me constantly pushing these agendas, and they kind of figured, okay, he's serious, right? So I had to deal with my mom and dad. Uh, I'll go to university, you know, do my university stuff, and then beat your path, you know, the way you want mm -hmm. it to be. So, yeah, even us in music, and then, like, it's so cool because there's so many things having been involved in music, film in Eugene, like being a pioneer in both of them, like, you know, especially the rap and hip-hop. 
okay. and then feel and then to see today like people can actually make a living off it yeah yeah you know it's like really cool because you look back and you're like man you guys have no idea mm-hmm. how we fought with those keys at the door to open so it was until i got to campus because uh-huh. film is always it's, it's inherently expensive mm-hmm. yep it doesn't matter mm. you can have the grandest idea on paper but it's mm. expensive mm. music was easier to do because we had our own setups you know we had uh, you know pillars you know you could get the beats you know you could make them so it was easier to do that it's like your setup here right it's how we used to do it <laughs> you know music but the thing is like film was difficult you know DSLRs were not available mm. you know <laughs> yeah. yeah and even when they became available they were expensive right so we d- I never did I never bothered to I kept I kept my writing because really I wanted to write uh, kind of get discovered or write a book or something then mm-hmm. I went to university and met my brother from another mother Steve Minde in our first class because I, w- I studied in USIU in Kenya just like me had he he wanted to do film so he had been going through the same thing so that was 2002 to end of 2001 2002 so we're at campus until 2005 and every day we are like plotting our master plan you know we're gonna make a film and we're gonna blow up you know we're gonna be at the academies you know (laughs) but what we did was over the years I believe in good karma you're good to people people I have respect people I do command respect but I'm respectful of people so over the years of meeting people Mm-hmm. in the field both on his end and my side the one I was in Nairobi I met people through him people could see we were serious so by the time we finished campus we had saved some cash and we said ah okay let's do this so it became like a weekend project you know because you gotta work you know yeah. so it became like a weekend project like you know map out who has cameras who has equipment and then you, you hire them but the thing is we never paid the cast completely these are all people who are just like friends, mm-hmm. you know, singers, you know, Joakali, Nomini, yeah. uh, Chris Kirubi, mm. the, the, oh, cool. the, yeah, gave us his office, he acted in the movie, Gitch Boy. That's like a tycoon king. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the that was dudes. one of your first films. That was our first film. What was it about? It was, uh, that was Steve's story. Uh, Steve had a story, uh, an idea, he wanted to do a thriller. What if a Kenya doctor discovered the cure for HIV? Mm-hmm. And then. Um, I think I watched that. Was it produced? Like, yes. I think I watched it, yeah, yes. in school. Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah, in USAU, they screened. I think they screened it. Oh, you for real? Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I remember guys said they would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Legendary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Formula X. Yes, 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 I watched it. So, Formula X op- opened my eyes to so many other things. Because first of all, we did it with a label of love. We shot it even during the like, election violence. Mm-hmm. Um, we finished it. You know, it was just good karma. You know, a lot of top people. I mean, guys were in their prime. No Nini, Gage Boy, the, I mean, Chris Kirubi, man. Like, you know, the guy who introduced us to him and spoke to him and, you know, he he had that love for young young hustlers, you know, young like, ah, use my office, man. I'll be in the movie. You know, like God damn I'm like, you know. <laughs> so we did, we shot it, did it. And then one of the craziest things was after doing it. What happened? What what happens? 
So I'm always one of these people who thinks outside the box. I don't believe, I said this in the lab, I said I don't believe anything is impossible, just mathematically improbable. You know, I don't, I mean, if you can put a man on another planet, mm. I mean, surely you can do pretty much anything, right? So I remember after that, that was the biggest thing. The whole group was like, what do we do? Now everybody wanted a cinema release. I kept telling my friend, I said, first of all, we don't even have a promo budget. Yeah, forget the fact that we've made a good movie, but who's gonna attend the premiere? Just our friends and family? That's okay, mm -hmm. but we can't go to New Metro and say like, "Yo, give us like two screens." I said, first of all, this is business, right? Even if they give you their smaller screen, like eight sitter or something, right? You're gonna lose money because you have to make a deal with them with the cinema that you're like gonna split the ticket shares, mm. or you're gonna hire the place for like two weekends, right? So essentially we gotta find money and hire two screens or four, and you know. It was a back and forth. This was before Facebook, Twitter. Mm. I mean, I come from that time. We had mm. internet. Mm. I mean, YouTube came up, YouTube really blew up in 2003, mm -hmm. you know? Cause it started a while ago, but 2003, I remember when YouTube really blew up, right? So Twitter, was, those things were not there. I was like, we never knew those things were gonna be there, but well, I was like, dude, just think about how much you gotta go to Kenyan newspaper, you know, Standard, or um, Nation Media, and book a poster page, you know, and say, want it in color. We don't even have that cash, man. <laughs> it took us three and a half years to make a movie, right? So I was the guy who was always angry. Steve, Steve is my real bro, like, you know, he, he, he listens to me. So anyway, finally, uh, you know, guys hustled and caught the movie in the cinema. I was in the cinema. Mm -hmm. It was okay. It was there like I think I think they tried to do it like a month or something. The returns were not so good. But I had opened a YouTube page for the trailer. Yeah. And I'm good with gadgets and, you know, programming. So I had done stuff on it, so I was like, Okay, let's see where this goes and then one day I just went back and I checked. The inbox was flooded. And it was a guy, man, there was this one guy who was just pissed at me. I remember opening the first message, and it's like, does the person who runs this account read these <laughs> messages? <laughs> yeah, I am a distributor, I like your movie trailer, I would like to see it, and I would like to sell it. That was my light bulb moment. I was <laughs> like, wait a minute, you know? Mm -hmm. This is it right here. So I got back in touch with Steve and then because I'd come back to UG. I told him, and then we started now, the movie started being distributed now, you know. So we moved away from the whole cinema thing, started distributing it. So it actually was like bootlegged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. So now suddenly we had a distribution chain, you know. Mm -hmm. And it made money. We started bringing money back. Um, TV stations bought it, you know, bigger TV stations bought it. But I was still hungry, you know, at that time. I was like, hmm. I, I want to see if I can make, and it swept awards, the Kilesha Awards, it swept them, it went to some festivals abroad, people liked it. So that, that one was done. One of the things that drove me back home was, people always have a tendency of speaking for all of us Ugandans that say, oh, uh, Ugandans, you know, what do they know, they can't do this, they can't do that. And this was around the time I have another good friend called Soler. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so. a very good friend of mine. So we're also building the trenches together in film. What does the layer do? Producer. Okay. Yeah. Uganda. Uganda. Mm -hmm. okay. Full, yeah. So at that time, she was at Fast Track Productions, 
mm. gathering, like I would say, an A team, like to you know, yeah. and the hostel story had been got, and then I came on board. So I, I came on board just as hostel was launching. Yeah. So that was huge, you know. Like I came in like just as the hostel, you know, thing had blown up, and it was exactly what I'd always wished for because suddenly we had to show. You know, they, they had created something that everybody wanted to see. It was local. Yep. But now it was beyond borders, you know, because it was South Africa, Zimbabwe. It didn't matter where you went across the continent because DSTV carried it. You know, DSTV carried it, then DSTV carried it, and that was a game changer because when DSTV put it on, like, it was crazy. The, you know, like, we would look at our inboxes, you know, Facebook, email my god it was nuts you know uh, it was it was overwhelming and suddenly now this proved that look we can we can because i never subscribed to the whole thing of like because you're african you're ugandan you know yes tell your story but tell it in a certain way talk about witchcraft eh? <laughs> your body guy you know but i, I can't make the witchcraft, like Doctor Strange opens portals. You know, it was like it was something I felt people always shackle us with. Mm-hmm. But you can't make a story that appeals to like people across the globe. Eh? Mm. It's like no, no, no. You, you like do your thing. You know, let Hollywood and Bollywood, <laughs> and, you know, Nollywood do theirs, and then we'll watch it. But you can, so it was amazing what what had been done. And then I joined the team, and hostel was huge. Like every you know, you travel and like. You go. I even got you know people saw my name now on the project afterwards. You know, and so on. so we're like a professional production company because yes, we had a hostel, and we did season two, season three, but we knew we have to do something else. We have to do something else. So they had they had come up with an idea called Five at Home, yeah. a show, and I joined them. Wait, I don't know about that show. Big show. Where? On Fox. Really? Fox now here, by the way. It's a Ugandan? Yeah. Everything worked in that company because from Soler, who was the head of production, to us, the writers, to the technical guy, Aldo, to our boss, Conrad, everybody was a unit, a team. We just moved in one direction, you know. So by the time we did season three, the hostel, you know, typical... I say it's typical because one thing that's, that saddens me is like in our business here back home, people kind of don't want to hold hands. Like I'm successful and I'm willing to, to work with people and do things. And people find that strange of me mm-hmm. because normally somebody makes a movie and then they take it to the film festival or they have a red carpet launch at National Theatre and they've arrived. <laughs> they don't want to talk to anyone. I know. They don't want to better they their craft. Big. You know what I mean? They feel. And I'm like, dude, man, you guys don't see this, right? Yes. I have watched endless, because I'm a big fan of Blu-rays. I have so many of them. And I've watched so many behind the scenes and you see like, you see like Cameron crafting Avatar, right? Yeah. It's his idea. He's had it as a child. He's an A-list dude. I mean like, you wouldn't primarily correct Cameron or Spielberg, but there'll be the other guy at the end of the table, you know, and be like, no, what if we do this and we do that? And these yeah. guys listen. Helps, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this is the only way it works. You know, we work together. Yeah, yeah, okay, you, you won, you know, or you launched a movie, but what? Most, most of the guys are in it for the fame. 
and then they don't want to work with people. So we had, so we started seeing the same thing, you know, yeah. actors starting to believe that they are, they are the character. Because one of the things we had was like, by the time we got to season three, the hostel was so big, people had become. I thought they'd become entities. <laughs> so one guy wakes up and decides, I will not go and set today unless they increase my salary. Yeah. And it's a domino effect. That means if you don't come to work for a week, everybody else around you does not earn because yeah. it's a mm. pay per episode kind of deal, right? Yeah. So if Sharon, if Joel, you're being selfish, right? Mm. So you only want to come to negotiate. So you say, I want to go from so much money a million an episode yeah are you serious so 90 episodes a million 90 90 mil they thought they were worth 90 mil no it's, it's yeah, not it's about you know it's, it's okay you know we all know our worth you have to yeah. know, I always ask people, you have to know your worth right if you put in time Don't and effort right you are yeah you are permitted to negotiate I can see it I can see what you're doing mm-hmm. it's a symbiotic relationship I need you you need me right yeah so we can discuss. We can have a discussion, right? But your a negotiation is is only that when you come and you talk. Yeah. A hostage situation is where you demand. So you cannot just walk in and say, "I want a milli, straight up." You know, or it was it was legendary. If you go back and you see online, if you go and dig up Kampala Sun papers, I remember Conrad, our boss laid out everything by our, uh, the dirty laundry in the newspaper. Really? The, yeah. Like Why he did said, you do that? He said, like, look, I, people are asking questions. I've got to just tell everyone what is happening. And if you go up and dig up the papers, you'll see it was an epic battle. It was crazy. Oh, because wow. somebody says, I want so much money. Or somebody's like, yeah, I want so much money. You know, I'm here on a contract. You know what I mean? Like, what rain? And, you know, <laughs> they want to pay me like you know like so so many millions so many millions you know to be on a billboard but i ain't eating because i'm here and i'm like what? and you're like look hold up hold up nobody ever stopped you from doing that gig you know and your contract doesn't state that you can't do that gig right yeah. so how ridiculous does it sound that you're saying you can't do that because of this do you know your own contract you know what I mean, right? Then so like, why, why, why can't you do that? Yeah. You know, if you're worried about something, come and ask us, and we clear it up. Because we were never the type of production house that didn't want our own peeps to, to eat. You know. Yeah. I mean, some of these actors, you know, they got deals for appearing, you know, advertising something here and there. It was their own money. We never took anything from them. It was their own gig. But how did they get the gig? From being on the show, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They would go out and use the character names, you know refer to themselves as the same character which mm. they shouldn't have because it's intellectual property of the production company <laughs> yeah. but nobody was, was, was on their case you know what I mean it built careers for guys right yeah. it did yeah. people still remember people from the hostel and they still call Just them by the those names and I remember show. in arguments I was like I was like people don't know your real name they know your character name yeah. don't fool yourself yeah. people, are like, people, people know your character name they don't know your name guys so that was it so uh, around that time, West, there was a re-management commitment and then Hostel 4. Yeah. So we decided Hostel 4, brand new cast, mm. everything, and, and switched it up. Because you got to move, you know, th- those guys are getting older. It was yeah. not logical to have them still in the hostel. <laughs> you needed younger guys. 
so at that time the company was in transition so we did i i produced and became head of production like like episode 20 onwards of yeah. uh, hostel serenity so i started handling other projects which brought me now back to five at home i show we had been stuck you know we had shot pilots for it we watched them something was a little bit off mm-hmm. and I, I always told the team this is the best show we have yeah it's pipe and home a drama like it's a, a drama it's a comedy drama yeah yeah heavy on the drama so we started writing it and because we were very true to each other and we, we were like family we would put like things about ourselves in our scripts like you know mm-hmm. we have our little running jokes like when we watch the show we'd be like ah that's a disc or so mm. you know but when we started structuring it and breaking down I started to see how big the show was I was like this right here is going to be a show that now sets a bar again for Ugandan productions right mm. but, but the company was changing you know Conrad had moved on uh, Soler had gone I was also you know the core team was going away going away but I made sure that at the end of season 2 yeah. we closed the story off again coming back to the whole thing in Uganda of people just not being willing to work together there are very few of us who are willing to work together yeah. but then suddenly now a TV station who you deal with starts to think you're the competition yet your show is on their TV station and, <laughs> and it brings in ratings and <laughs> They, they are trying to cut your feet you know so that their production you know what I mean they will stifle you in, they will cut your episode halfway I mean it is so childish and I remember I saw the TV station here wrote back to us and insulted five at home badly really badly and for what reason pure malice and I'm very defensive of my teams and I don't do lousy work mm. so my teams don't do lousy work you know so I remember having a meeting and we the boss of the TV station was in the room with us and I totally lost my cool with them because it was blatant I was mm. like this is just you know and I remember telling them that this is a show that's going to I, this, this show doesn't belong on local TV I was that adamant and finally man a distributor a distributor bought it and went quiet for about uh, that was they bought it like Jan 2016 and then they went silent for like but they knew what they wanted because they really liked the show and even until today I get emails from some people and calls like yo we need to do this and so I'm like nah I don't own it so I can't shoot it mm-hmm. you know it's a fast track thing and I don't work with them anymore so I remember you know getting early this year getting the call and being told hey Fox Life now which had launched the Fox Life channel is for Africa mm-hmm. and they're looking for good quality African entertainment liked it and, and I took it on board and it was a big deal because I was like yeah man like <laughs> we're on Fox right mm-hmm. and funny enough the same stations that people call oh, what the show but now you gotta go talk <laughs> to those guys <laughs> yeah. and get it you know and pay maybe 20 times more than yeah. what you paid me so It's just been a labor of love and, and knowing what you want to do because my dad has tried to get me to, to run the company, family bees, I tried, but it's not for me. <laughs> I worked with the UN, uh, worked with UNHCR in Kenya, yeah. uh, 
I've done, you know, I've, uh, I've had, I, I ran, I helped my friend run and make a very popular place in, in Kigali, very popular, Virunga, Club Virunga. I've done like things and it comes back to film. End of the day. And I can probably say at least like I have, I've lived on film. Yeah, like I've actually made an earning. <laughs> yeah. So we've been blessed like uh, to to be able to Predominantly, light media does feature films and has done like small series here and there. Mm -hmm. um, but on my end, Swift Films, I have written a lot, produced a lot. Um, you know, I get contracts now with a consultant. Somebody calls me, come and put my studio in order. You know, somebody calls me and says, We're doing this project. The script is a mess. Help us out, you know. Yeah. Uh, I do that a lot, so there's so much that me, Solaire, people like me, Solaire, we want to teach, you know, like our fellow filmmakers in UG, or make sure, make sure it becomes professional. Yeah, so mine has been like that journey and like constantly reading and discovering and understanding how we do things, yeah. but also I don't claim that I know all of it. You know, I'll sit, I have people who are my mentors. I meet people all the time who blow my mind and I ask them questions yeah. and you learn. So yeah, I, I do, I come back home and I'm always looking to produce something. Oh, I want to know how you pick out that because you're pitched all the time. Yeah. So what projects do you usually pick to work on? What, what's the spark? First of all, most, most guys lift stories. From <laughs> yes. If 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 I was at a guy who read a lot or was quite knowledgeable, I would be in trouble as a producer. Yeah. A lot of you, I don't know why, a lot of kids over here uh. give you a story, and I'm like, I look at that act, and I'm like, you know, this is from like point for point. Yeah. Listed. I'm like, you know, this is from this movie. Ah, uh. uh, no. I'm like, hey, man, if we watch this movie together, we're going to see... Po yeah, you might have changed uh, the words, but uh, it is. And they say, yeah, okay, you know, I watched this movie and I wanted to do something like this movie. And then it sounds like it's not really your work, is it? Because you've not given me... Uh, don't get... All of us, we take from something. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you, <laughs> yeah, if you look at all alien movies, you know, with the aliens coming to Earth, one movie first did it, right? Yeah. The alien came to Earth, right? And then everybody had the idea, right? Yeah. But it's the way you write it. Okay, but I cannot take Independence Day, and then <laughs> some guy tried to pitch to me an Independence Day version for UG. So he goes like this: the aliens come, and uh, guess what? It's Independence Day, it's October 9th, right? Okay. It's October 9th. You get it. So you know, and then like whatever we are fighting, and it, so for him it was like a colonization story, and it's like I'm like, but but dude, my dude, you do see that this is Independence Day, right? <laughs> You get right. You're not even making an attempt. You get. You're not making an attempt to, to. Kind of won't see that movie. <laughs> I know, right? Like yeah, most of the time my boys are like, "Yo, make that movie. <laughs> we'll watch it." Yeah. Man, I told you. One of the things. One of my my things that I want to do a movie for the asylum. You know, mm -hmm. Sharknado. And I want to do one. I've been trying to write a bad movie. <laughs> Feel you, man. And pitch it to them. I'm like, dude, my guy, they made five Sharknado. <laughs> I can make some garbage, like, they make ten of them. So it's like, yeah, I know. And it's like crazy. And I know these kids, the guys, guys get inspired. Like right now, I have another bunch of kids I've been mentoring. Mm -hmm. mm. 
And there's one guy he can write. Yeah. He has potential. You can see it. But you know, guys will deal with me, talk to me, and they know I've been successful in my way of what I've done, and, and they just want a shortcut. Right? Yo, yeah. how do I get the money? Mm. How do I get my stuff on Amazon? You know, Showmax. How do I? Like, dude, it's work. Mm. I'm, I, I'm not the guy who shot, directed, produced, edited, wrote the script, acted. It's a, it's a whole chain of people, you know, and, and people who have the same mindset, you know. And a guy right now, he has a dope story. I mean, you know, he has an idea for a dope story, but I do not know. I keep trying. I keep, it, it, it's caught up between Cars mm-hmm. and Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. Cars is the animated yes. movie, Cars. Okay. You can see it. It's layered. It's layered with Pixar stuff. It's layered with, with Fast and Furious. I'm like, but my guy, you you want to do that movie? I'm like, fine, let, let write it, but... but you know, just a ripoff. You know, people are gonna see yeah. and know it's a ripoff. People right? see right through that yeah. shit. Somebody will see and be like, "Hey, nah." For me, it has been interesting because when I look back to when we started, like just fooling around as kids, you know, shooting little videos with our parents, big monster handheld. I don't even know why they call them hand handheld cameras on <laughs> the shoulder or something. Shooting those little things with my sisters or my cousins or my friends, and then actually doing it as a living. Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive, you know. It's like for me, it's like, oh yeah, I can justify in my path, but it's hard work yeah. because, like, right now I'm involved in a project uh, with Arts Media where you guys came, yeah. And uh, it, in terms of radio, TV, you know, this this we really don't have anything. Yeah. What do you mean you don't have anything? Like we don't have anything good. But like when you look at, like we did the hostel. Yeah. People have copied that format. Big time. They have they have done it over and over again, right? Yeah. So when we look and say I have a son, my friends have kids, my boss has kids, you know, my other you know, business partners have kids. When you look at it, when when we were growing up, I remember running home from school to watch a certain hour on T V called yeah. it catered for kids. And here in Africa, we always have, you know, you have a lot of people are complaining with the content Nickelodeon puts on TV, uh, Cartoon Network, Disney, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you can't blame those guys. Those guys make content and put it out there. If you want to watch it, you watch yeah, it, right? But the other day, I, I saw Walt, I saw Disney telling guys in South Africa, mm-hmm. give us content. Mm. Give us content, man, you know? Yeah, we put Ben 10. You know, put loud house. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not to insult you guys, but if you don't want it, fine. So what do we do? Do we close the channel, and you guys don't get Disney and Cartoon Network, right? Or do you start providing us content, which, which not only you want to see, mm-hmm. but somebody in UG, Kenya, SA, the whole world can watch. Yeah. Because if you think about it, we don't have like. I think it's just like Super Strikers. Or exactly. Like XD and that's it. Which is which was an African thing. Yeah. That that was bought, you know. Yeah. But so that's what we're trying to do. Like, if you sit down and think, there is absolutely no African iconic kid character or or story. Wow. So is that what you're trying to do? Yes. Yeah, so right now, God willing, we are trying to create a show for kids. Be it one for radio and one for TV, whereby we can speak to kids in UG, but kids in Kenya can relate, kids in Nigeria can relate, and then trying to craft a iconic 
African beat cartoon character mm-hmm. or uh, or like you know how we had Teletubbies yeah, yeah. something like that because okay, African yeah. stories African stories are very rich you know like so sometimes I have tapped into them when I'm writing my sci-fi and scary things right yeah because I'm a person who, who, who and I, I, I always recount or retell the stories to my son they don't do this in school anymore they absolutely don't tell kids they don't tell kids about Nambi are you serious? Yeah, they don't. They don't. Really? They don't. They don't. They, abs- they don't. It's not that. It's actually not there. Yeah, yes, yeah. as well as like a curriculum. No, they don't. Uh-uh. They don't. They don't. That's but we used really to have the books on yeah, Nambi. That, remember that yellow book? We had books. They don't have any. They don't so have. We had a collection of all the stories. In, that's so if, that's yeah. yeah. If you if so when we started looking at it like that because mm-hmm. when we told the story to my son and my girl. Then he started relating it to. I was like, yeah, it's like it's like this movie. It's like this. It's like this stuff of Walt Disney, you know. And we have these stories, and like, we yeah. do. Okay, hundred percent agree with you. Even like my younger sisters, hmm. they just grown up assuming Africa doesn't have shit. Like I know. They know everything about like the Arthurian mythologies, but they don't all know. that stuff. Like my Africa's son will nothing. tell you about the Greeks. You know, yeah. but they don't know. They don't know that we have we've had those stories of gods and battles. And, yeah. and you know, we sit down and there's a friend of mine who's been <coughs> writing a comic, you know, a graphic novel, and somebody at Dark Horse might be interested in it. And, and we're talking about, like, you know, like, Whoa. we're talking about, like, you know, these African, you know, gods and, you know, so on. And this, mm. course, I mean, they make Clash of the Titans. Yes. Those are Greek gods, right? Yeah. But we have those stories in Africa. You go to Nigeria, you go to Botswana, there's a small tribe. It has this amazing story about these African gods that were like alien space guys. It's like it's yes, like yes. their oral history. You go, you go, you go like to Mali, and you know you, you listen to the oral history about you know Timbuktu and the journals and mm-hmm. and like you know how the the castle and the palace walls are built like a big a big combination. It's like a, you listen to the stories, you're like, oh. You know, Hollywood is struggling right now to come with up with the regional stuff. They're redoing it. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm like, man, eh? and then you tell people the stories and they're amazed. They're blown. They're like, what? Like, you know, we have this. But even now, I complain with my, you know, my kids' school and so on because we had dance and drama festivals growing up. It was like one of the best times of the year. Yeah. But there are dance and drama festivals these days. If you go, guys are dancing to Nicki Minaj. (laughs) <laughs> they have Godfather themes. I you know. know. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. 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 They will do yeah. that. Uh, they they will do. You know, I saw some some friend of mine sent me a video of a kid's school where they they did a sequence from Empire. You know, what? musical. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. I'm like I'm like what? Like okay, that's depressing. Yeah. Enough. I'm like so when we sat down as adults, those of us who really love you know our country and. And uh, not, not that others don't, but then so we started thinking about it and said, okay, we're doing this, we're doing that right now. We have connects. Why don't you make some? Why don't you make a radio program? Why don't you make a TV show that that can get people now talking again about you know our cultural stuff, right? Yeah. Again, so that's the the one right now that we're involved in. And next week I go away briefly for a week. We're sitting away brainstorming on it, and. To try and make sure that yeah you know yeah. you know you can okay maybe don't get on Walt Disney at the beginning but it can be on local channels across Africa mm. and that's the funny thing is like I tell you again uh, five at home you know we had people our own people 
hating on us <laughs> and trying to crush it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then because the foreign station takes it and puts they, it on, it's relevant. It's not a big thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's oh, 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 oh. The validation. You understand? Us, so, yeah. it's like, so it's like, do we need, like, does it first need to go to Walt Disney and then be like, you know yeah. what I mean, right? Like, come on, we can make it and then Walt Disney can come and say, mm-hmm. guys, please, can we? You know, because we see the value in this. Mm-hmm. So right now, that's what I'm involved in, in getting, um, in getting this out. Yeah. And it's hard work as usual, but it is because you look at kids every day and kids don't know, man. Kids know the lyrics to, to every Migos song you can think of, <laughs> but kids cannot recite those, those you know, childhood songs we would sing when we were playing, you know, guys are playing Kwepena. Matthew, I want a comparison for Uganda v Kenya because you've worked in both industries. Yes. What are your thoughts on both? Well, uh, first of all, the Kenyan, the Kenyan film industry has is, is, is been there longer, well established. It, it has its its compartments that work and of course some that don't work. The biggest I would say difference between us and them is working together. In Kenya you you know, you meet you meet people there, you know people there, you can collaborate and do something. The difference with us here it's, it's very difficult to do that. Because somebody will look at me and want me to invest everything, right? <laughs> into a project, right? Yeah, yeah. But let's say yeah, somebody, person A, has, has done work just as much as me, person B has, and they see, so let's say me and person A are looking at the longer term, mm-hmm. and we know, okay, we put, put, because, let, don't be fooled, no, no, no movie, no series is one investor, it's such a risk, mm. oh you, you, yeah. have to, you have to spread your, your risk, right, so you're gonna call up Joel, like, put in something. Sharon put in something mm-hmm. and then we know how we shall split you know the profits and so on right mm-hmm. so it's never one person's money yeah. you just don't do business like that it's crazy yeah right so somebody will, will have a now let's say I have a script I want to do in UG I know the people are call who will be ready to say let's do this but then now you want to get you know because first of all people we don't even have proper rate cards in UG Oh we yeah. don't have, right? No, we don't have people mm-hmm. So people, people, maybe somebody was getting 100 Gs at the most for an, an episode on TV. And then let's say DSTV comes and does a show. And DSTV will pay them maybe $300 per episode, for five episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Let's say, right? Mm-hmm. An estimate. <coughs> and then when that goes away, they're still going to want to charge that mm-hmm. same rate. It can't work. Because yeah, you, you yeah. when I do my rewrites here, if somebody calls me to look at something and, and I see it has value and I want to do it, it, it meets my principles and my ethics, I know what I can charge a TV station in UG. I know the price, the maximum they can pay me. And I know if I push past that maximum, I know what I can get. Yeah. Th- that is way different than if I'm dealing with a foreign production house. Because already a foreign production house, just by looking at my CV and what I've done and knowing who I am, they already have, they have rates for experience. Mm-hmm. You understand? That's what I try to tell guys over here. We need to, to work together yeah. and build it. So it's like, and that's why I like most of our, we have filmmakers who like have such a high output in UG. Like such a high output of films. Like a guy is literally doing a film every two weeks. <laughs> and he's in like 15 festivals, right? Mm. But at the end of the day, there is no quality to his work. You understand? Like you can watch all his movies back to back, back to back, and there is no quality. Because he writes, he produces, he edits, he directs, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Money lenders have made this a problem in our city. Really? Yeah. Most of most most filmmakers go to money lenders. 
what? That's yeah. the thing I never. Because guys are doing a movie for five mil. Mm-hmm. You know, so a guy will go and say like, "Yo, give me five mil," and they know, "Ah, you're good." Joel will bring us back our profit. You get. So a guy does a movie uh, quickly, quickly, quickly. Shoots it, d- does it in a week, edits it in two days, packages it, national theater launch. <laughs> Sells it on the street. Yeah. You you understand? And they get their money back. Yeah, he gets some money, but he's not getting. He's he, it's a, it's a it's a hand to mouth business now for him. Mm. You can't have all of that. The other thing I'm arguing, and I'm really trying to do this, to be honest, is to have a proper film award in this country. Mm-hmm. Because we just have random film awards in this we country. Have Uganda film no, no, no. Forget theirs is good. Because now yeah. the categories give you money. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah? It's and really it's good, good money. Yeah. And I'm happy because UCC has been listening to us all these years. Uh, you know, they now listen to us. They engage us. You know, and they are one group of people who are trying. Sure. So they'll call you up, Matthew. Come and we have a meeting. What they do you really think? can call you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember after a time like 2013 or 14. I I think in a, in the span of three months, I was up and down with them for a while. But they're getting it because they know that film is lucrative, mm. right? But at the end of the day. When you look at us, and you know, if you look at us and compare us to Kenya, right? Even if you just compare us like now to Rwanda, who are putting things in order, right? Film-wise, mm-hmm. the problem we have, there's no unity. That's our biggest issue. Yeah. You get, and it's just it's that mentality. You know what I mean, right? Mm. You, you do something, and then like your work is on DSTV. Yeah. Nah, right. Can't have a meeting with Joel anymore. Yeah. What does he know? <laughs> but yeah, but you can't even see like they have different sections. You know, I have respect for guys of Wakaliwood. I remember when Who Killed Captain Alex came out. I saw it. I'm like, this guy's about to make a killing, and he is. Yep. Dude is in Malaysia, isn't he? Right. Mm. He so, is. Yeah. What's he doing? I think he's shooting an action movie or something. Jesus. With he went viral. Exactly, but that's what you want, isn't it? Yeah. Right. And then I tell guys, like, I've learned it. I was like, man, may I have no problem putting myself online? There's a new thing I'm finishing. I'm going to put it online. All of them. I've told the guys, every single episode will go online come next year. Yet my is online. Yeah, finally, <laughs> you know. But, you know, that, that was something that I was hired to fix at the end, you know. But that's it. Like, if you look at Insecure. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's a do- but I was watching it on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, and... What makes you think that the audience who watches it online will not watch it on a bigger station? They will, very dedicated. I mean, I mean, HBO is not stupid for, for watching things online yeah, yeah. and <laughs> say, man, I like yourself. I, because there's something I'm doing right now, it's about young guys working in a cooking thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've heard stories from some of my friends and they're funny. So I started writing it guys for the street. So I said, when this is done, this one I'm just putting it on YouTube. Mm. Let guys watch it. Yeah. Yeah? It, somebody will come for it. Like, I mean, it's like, but I always ask my friends here who make films. Okay, you make you make a film, you have a carpet launch, and then you have you have it at home in your DVD player. Who is watching, uh, Matthew? You know, I don't want to put it on DSTV because because DSTV is not going to pay me. I'm like, they will pay you if it's good, right? But okay, if you put it on DSTV, there's some guy in West Africa sees it. He might holler at you and be like, mm, yo, people my God. holler. Mm. People really holler. If you don't put it online, time. then what? I mean, how can you? How can I buy something I don't see? Yeah. The guy's like, nah, the dude, the homeboy, man, he, he's on film, film 73 in car. He has pushed 73 flicks in eight years. <laughs> I, 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 I only remember film four. 
because I was on set. <laughs> film 73. Yeah, but then every week he's doing a film. Yeah. I'm like, homie, you're gonna read. Spielberg has not done 73. No. <laughs> you get what I mean, right? Like, I'm like, dude, you, you have, and it's like, it's just a, he writes a script, 10, 15 pages, has the idea, has people he's worked with, they go and set and they freestyle it after ten, page 10. Okay. You understand, right? And how are we progressing? So that's, that's the problem. We have such a high output in UG, very low quality, a lot of it's very low quality. We don't really have a union. Okay. Okay, guys, let's wrap this up. I wanted you to first plug if there's anything of yours out there, like, which that people can watch. Right now, uh, there's a cut of Subira they can watch on Amazon Prime. Nice. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a cut of it there. Uh, so if you go on Amazon Prime and you type Subira, it's a Kenyan movie, 2017, 2016, it just went up on Subira. It went up on Amazon like uh, three months ago. Uh. There's Five at Home and um, Fox Life. Uh, there's uh, two other movies which I'm producing will soon be out. Okay. Yeah. So those should be online soon. Um, there's a TV show which will be on YouTube in Jan. Nice. It's it's called Work. Uh, yeah. So there's there's stuff that's that's coming. There's my book which should be. What's your book titled? Don't have a name yet. What's it about? It's a bunch of, um, I've written so much sci-fi and short stories over the years. Mm -hmm. So some of them are like really big pieces and you know, you cannot shoot them. Okay. So some friends of mine were like, man, do the stuff like which you like of your guys, uh, Stephen King. Mm -hmm. So he does short stories in a book. Okay. So it went from just short stories to like, they realize, normally I have a habit of like linking my scary stories or whatever stories to each other. I put mm -hmm. a little clue here, a clue there. So it, it started off with writing one book. Then another book, then three, mm -hmm. you know, because they want a trilogy. So I am now down to the last couple of chapters in the third one. I'm on the last part and I'm like thinking about where to go because I kind of want to close it, but they don't want because they want to, they have somebody who has seen the manuscript and wants to make it into a feature. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still there discussing, you know, but yeah, I, I think it's, but then there's another book which I finished, which is just, uh, a horror story based on an incident in Malindi, mm -hmm. which is also like a true story, and then also a true story that happened in Texas, kind of similar to each other. So it's an alien kind of thing, paranormal. So I've been writing it. I'm done. I actually finished it last week. Mm. So it's now just the proofing phase, and yeah, so it will probably come out. You're writing all the time. Yes, I am. I, I, I find, I don't know, I told Joel last week, he said he found time to rest, not me, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'll get that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool, though. But thanks for having me on your thanks show. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, don't don't talk about the Brockheimer part. Uh, I don't people know and the low low, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's been our episode. Thank you. Thank you. Toodles.